Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Weekly, a show where we recap the week on Eurogamer for you. We dig into the reviews and features and whisk through the news and videos highlighting some of the standout things you might have missed. Remember, premium supporters of Eurogamer get these episodes on Friday, making it a very handy end-of-week digest. Everyone else listens from Monday, and you can find out more about supporting Eurogamer on the website or below. Joining me on Weekly today are Editor-in-Chief Martin Robinson. Bonjour, Martin. Hello. And Reviews Editor Chris Tapsell. Bonjour, Christophe. Bonjour. Robert. Uh, we, yeah. um, let's start with arguably the biggest talking point um, of the week, which is the relaunched PlayStation Plus, uh, which I know, Chris, you've been spending a lot of time with. And I imagine, Martin, you've been spending some time with too. For those listening, if you didn't know, Sony's overhauled its offering uh, and broken PlayStation Plus now into three tiered um, levels. There's now PlayStation Plus Essential, which is effectively what PlayStation Plus was before you get to free monthly games, discounts, cloud storage, that sort of stuff. And there's also PlayStation Plus Extra and Premium. Um, Taps, you tell us a bit more about these levels, please. Um, so like you said, the, the basic one is uh, Essential, which is just like a standard PS Plus. And then Extra is uh, you get what they call the games catalog, um, which is lots of games. And then uh, premium you get the games catalog and the essential stuff plus a classics catalog and then some other sort of smaller things so like you get access to some demos and uh cloud streaming so um so the um extra is a bit like game pass is that right you get loads of ps5 and ps4 games that yeah kind of i would say so yeah it, it's they're really hard to compare because um you have two different types of Game Pass where it's like just the console or just PC and then Ultimate and Ultimate bundles in more stuff and there's cloud streaming is kind of in there and they're, they're across different tiers. But basically, yeah, the one that in your head you're thinking, which is the Game Pass one, that's basically extra. And then um, premium is just kind of that with a few nice bits on top. You basically get the retro games is the main thing with premium. And how is it? What, what did you think of it? I think it's quite weird. Um, <laughs> basically it, it's all right like it it it's similar ish to game pass it's basically it's a similar sort of price um i think depending on which tier you go it's like slightly cheaper or slightly more expensive um you get a similar amount of stuff broadly speaking it's quite um, a lot of games i was reading it it's something like 800 games. games or something yeah it's loads of games dare i say it i think it's too many games because there's a lot of stuff in there that um <laughs> i don't want to say nobody cares about because that's mean and because people work on these are you slight are you is this a slight but, on on pixels on pixels brave uh, listen <laughs> it's a slight on apparently every pixar film and all of its video game tie-ins which seem to be <laughs> in this i was catalog. gonna say like, don't trash greg hastings paintball 
Yeah, Greg <laughs> Hastings Paintball 2, just to be clear. Um, I don't know if the first one's on there because there's a, a weird issue with the catalogs where the, the catalog screen, which you think is a list of all the games, actually isn't a list of all the games. There are some that only appear when you search for them, but you can't search them from that screen. You have to go to a different screen to search for games within PS Plus. It is a bizarre. The whole thing's been like from from the rollout, from I guess from the initial rumours even when it was like Project Spartacus, the whole thing seems just a bit confused. Like you can't fault it for its generosity yeah. as you say. It's like it's a wonderful selection yeah. of games. It's actually quite good value. You put you pay for yeah, you pay the top tier and you get uh, like a wealth of games. But um everything about it is just a bit incoherent and a bit confused. Like I mean when they, they obviously they announced it and there was like about six different asterisk points at the bottom. It's like the caveats uh, <laughs> are just yeah. uh, just uh, just long as your arm basically. And sitting down a bit as well. It's just um it's not. It doesn't have the. It doesn't have the cohesiveness. Basically, it doesn't. It's not quite coherent, and it just shows up like. I get a lot of it. One of the my my big takeaway from it, because obviously being an old man, my first thing I did was just download Jumping Flash, and it's like it's great that I can play these, and it's wonderful that it works. But it just shows that Sony's approach to backwards compatibility just it ain't it, is it? It's just like it's not quite there because it's just all these weird games, not the ones you really want, presented in not a particularly satisfying way with some games not working as they should and everything so it's, yeah, just... it's streaming right you stream these old games well it depends yeah <laughs> <laughs> um ps3 games are streamed uh, i think probably because of difficulty of um i'm, I'm not df here but i think the difficulty of obviously um emulating what is a notoriously um unique machine um <laughs> and uh, ps1 and ps2 are um kind of native apps although the ps2 ones are the games that were um those like ps2 classics arrived on playstation 4 they are not particularly great um ports the ps1 games are i think newish in terms of the ports they have like uh, save states and rewind features and stuff like that i think trophies in some, in some cases as well and so they're slightly better but the selection's not not great um, and so yeah, it is it is all sort of all, all over the place. And this, is the streaming? I did actually try the streaming. Actually, I, I played bizarrely Papinho. I don't know why I played Papinho, but just uh, and the streaming did it worked. Like it, it's it was fine. It was a it was good enough basically, um, and it was a an okay experience of an okay video game. What have you been playing? Uh, what what kept caught your eye? What is it exciting to see that's on the service? What did you go to first? I'd feel really ungrateful for saying this because of the, my the first thing like you get given eight hundred games and it's I feel so awful like the first thing you say is like well why is that not there because I was really looking forward <laughs> yeah. to, I was really looking forward to like Ridge Races or some PSP stuff um, some of the yeah some of the more uh, out there stuff um, so I haven't played that I, I went straight to the PS1 classics basically and Jumping Flash and Karushi I think it is which I've played all of 10 minutes of so I need to actually work out how it works but it's a kind of it's those cult classics which make it worthwhile yeah uh, straight to Trash Panic for me yeah um, it's exactly that yeah it's exactly what it's for <laughs> um, yeah I don't uh, I, I kind of didn't know where to start with it the good thing for me was that so I've um, I'm using like the Office PS5 and so we sort of swap it around and stuff like that. So I haven't consistently had a PS5 at my place for um, for a few months now. So for me, it was nice to just go, okay, this is almost like unwrapping a new console and having a load of games for it. Um, and you can, it, I suppose, it's the classic target audience thing of what these services are supposed to be for. 
where I can just boot it up. I've got my subscription, which was just converted from PS Plus that I already had to the premium tier. Um, and I went straight to all of the really sort of um, obvious basic blockbusters. But just like, oh, you know, the, the Demon Souls remaster and Miles Morales and stuff like that. These are games I didn't get to play at launch because I didn't have a PS5 in that launch window. Someone else was using it. So straight away, I can play stuff that I, you know, I can imagine I would have spent 70 quid on if I was a punter. And then they probably would have sat in my uh, backlog for a bit because I'm an idiot and then eventually got around to them. And instead, they've been added to my backlog for free. Um, so I, I do really like having those. The weirdness for me is that a lot of really good stuff that fills that sort of area in the market, I suppose, is already included in the PS Plus collection, which it comes with the basic tier that everyone already had. I think it launched around the time of the PS5 or with the PS5, where you got like a load of really good PS4 games um, for free for PS5. Um, and so I've seen pictures going around on Twitter of people being like, wow, yeah, I can't wait to get stuck in and showing a list of the downloads. And it's a load of stuff that was in the PS Plus collection. But because it's all jumbled in in this weird way, you don't really know what you already had and what you didn't. And there's three different types of word they use to show that you've owned the game and you don't <laughs> quite know what is... When did I get this? Do I, did I already have this? Do I get it now? Do I download it? It's, it's all very weird. But um, yeah, for me, blockbusters, basically. Has Sony made any kind of commitment to putting first-party games on the service when they launch they've made a commitment to not do that ah. <laughs> so yeah. but i think and so i think it's um they haven't been uh, i could be wrong um i hope i'm not i don't know they've been transparent about when stuff will be hitting it but i think it looks like it's about a year doesn't it i think from, wow. uh, from when it comes out i think that's that's what it looks like from what's in the initial lineup and what's missing uh, and so they want they want to came, they want to maintain the big prestige titles for seventy pounds a pop, uh, mm. for obvious reasons, um, and don't want to. Uh, they, that's that's their business model. That's what they want to go for, and that's yeah, and that's what they're sticking with. And so, like, you're not going to get um, when God of War Ragnarok comes out later this year. Um, you're not going to get that day and date. It will be next November. I think I, th- I think it's something along those lines. Um, sorry yeah, if I'm wrong. Know. Yeah, that seems. That's slightly disappointing to me, but I I get why they're doing it. Um, just quickly, what are the demos that you mentioned? What are they like? Are they just pretty unexciting? It seems odd that you have to pay thirteen fifty or something it is a month uh, to get demos. Um, I think the the biggest one is probably Horizon Forbidden West is on there, and some other ones. I think it's basically the games that they haven't um, added to the service yet. Actually, okay. so probably God of War probably get one. I think yeah. they. Uh, am I right in in saying that they um, added sort of a mandate for games on the platform that they all have to have like a two hour demo? I don't know if it's just first party ones or not. Yeah, I don't know if it's first party, but there was a mandate for the, to have that demo in there. So it is actually yeah. quite good to get a big chunk of um, big chunk of games you can play for two it's, hours and then. Yeah, it's you can get about as far as the title screen in a modern AAA game with that. <laughs> um, it's good. It's it, it's weird because I'm in a weird position now in this industry where you don't think about demos as much as i used to whereas as a punter a demo is actually quite useful and mm. i really enjoy the days of like getting a demo disc with a magazine or i played like one of the tomb raider demos you know like five times to start to finish as a as a kid like every kid does that right trying to find a way to break into the rest of the game um so uh, i think they will be appreciated i don't think i would pay to access them though for me kind of the nature of a demo is that it is free 
it's a nice it is a nice welcome bonus because I'd actually completely forgotten about that side of the offering and then yeah. all of a sudden and as someone who hasn't yet forked out 70 quid for um, Horizon I was like oh actually have been meaning to give that a shout and so I might actually it actually it, is, it was a, a nice additional part of the service I think um, quite exciting as well that there's competition now in that space. Uh, Microsoft's Game Pass has some competition, even though they're slightly different. And it sounds like there's a little bit of work to do um, on the PlayStation Plus just to clean it up a bit, tidy it up. Any sign of Nintendo bolstering? Well, I was going to say it's, it feels like this is it's just good. Some competition finally for Nintendo Switch Online because it's gone, it's gone. <laughs> it's, no one's been able to knock it off its perch for so long. Um, <laughs> But uh, no, Nintendo. I don't think Nintendo's going to change anything. Like Nintendo's offering is so different. I actually, I would say this because of um, I'm surrounded in a shed full of amiibos, and I'm a tragic person <laughs> who really likes Nintendo. But um, I, I, Nintendo Switch Online is isn't an alternative to these kind of things. It's a very different kind of service. It's not great, but it's not it's not it's not terrible either. Awesome. Okay, let's move on. So let's look at some of the reviews that were on the site this week. And Chris, uh, we'll start with you with a game called Milky Way Prince, the Vampire Star, which I kind of have no idea what this game is. I think it sounds quite art house, quite eclectic anyway, but um, what, yeah. what is it? Um, it is a visual novel um, about actually something very serious um it's about a relationship between um two young men who uh, both have different sort of mental health um issues that they're wrestling with um one of them i think has uh borderline personality disorder the person you sort of fall in love with um and there is a lot of very very heavy um subject matter in there um which it was intense. It's only like a two, three hour um, game. It's okay. really short. It's sort of replayable. There's like branching narratives. So I think that basically the nature of the game is that you're playing as this kid, uh, Nuki, I think the name is, and um, you are, you sort of immediately fall very intensely in love with this guy who sort of appears out of nowhere. Um, and you have this very romantic idea in your head of what kind of the relationship is going to be like and what they're like. And they are not really like that. Um, they're quite sort of cold. And um, you are essentially trying to... It, it's, you're almost trying to crack the puzzle of this person. So you're mm. trying to choose these dialogue options to convince them to you know, not do something quite awful. It's things like content warning, things like self-harm and that sort of thing. Um, and uh, it's, a, it's a very strange way of sort of displaying that. What struck me was just how I put it in the review was the technique of um, the guy who made it, whose name is escaping me. I'm really sorry. Um, it, it's one Italian um, developer and a, a small sort of support team. So like a little micro studio. Um, and it's very clever things like just playing with, for, for instance, like a multiple choice dialogue. Sometimes you'll get like a massive page of different things you can say. Sometimes you're locked into just one. Sometimes you have to kind of like hammer the button a load of times to, get it through sometimes it they're fading away as you're picking them um there are also very clever bits of uh sort of twists on it where for instance before you have sex which happens several times during it there's this kind of mantra of the other guy um asking you several questions 
and they begin as quite sort of um, endearing things. You know, it's like, you promise you'll always love me and stuff like that. And it almost feels, feels like you're sort of checking for consent. And it's quite a nice sort of rhythmical thing that you go through. As the story evolves and your relationship becomes more sort of toxic and harmful, the um, the phrasing of it ever so slightly changes. So it mm. becomes a bit more manipulative and, and then more coercive to the point where it almost feels like you're being coerced into saying these things and you're not really consenting you can never do anything other than say i do at the end of everything mm. it's just very clever little things like that that are quite subtle on top of things that are not subtle where they're very in your face almost jump scary visual things that happen um it's it was really remarkable it really is remarkable um i think if you're okay with that subject matter i appreciate why some people definitely wouldn't be if you are okay with it and you're okay with something only short i really really recommend it it sounds it, it's stunning fascinating i love the sound of what they've done with multiple choice answers answers which is usually a mechanic just kind of repeated take a yeah. bioware game for instance and you and you know the framework of it so well you know that this answer represents this this answer represents this that you're almost asleep at the at the helm when you're when yeah. you're answering these questions but i like that they're saying more about the content matter through the mechanic of like fading answers or like you say like you have to hammer the the answer to get it into that person's head yeah it uh, sounds fascinating and do they treat it sounds like it could be quite a personal kind of subject matter i don't know anything about the developer do they treat the subject matter with with care with understanding is it i think so um it's <sighs> It's hard for me to say because, you know, I haven't experienced those things um, or that type of relationship even. So it's it's always very hard to, to judge that too definitively. For me, it felt like it was, I guess, like an examination of it. Um, it was very much a case of showing the harm that can happen from it. And I, I, I suspect the sort of um, the way that if two people who are, who are sort of... Um, dealing wrestling with similar issues mm. end up in a relationship together it can create sort of a bit of a supernova where <laughs> um you can spiral a little bit um and so yes i think so i mean ultimately the point of games like this is is sort of um putting things out there that aren't usually talked about or represented um there's i'm sure people will have questions about if it's represented perfectly or not sure i think to an extent just the fact that it's exploring it in quite a thoughtful way regardless of how necessarily positive a depiction it is of it i think that has merit on its own but it's that's a very difficult one to fully answer if you know what i mean yeah well thanks for explaining it, it does <laughs> sound fascinating um moving on to a game that's quite different uh fire emblem warriors three hopes uh which we called one of the strongest musu i think i pronounced that right games yeah um martin I think you're a bit of a Musu game fan. I might be labeling you here, but can you tell us what a Musu game is? Um, it's basically like uh, an evolution of, uh, of the old fighting games, but you're given a big map and you've got to clear it up, basically. It's, 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 it's like most basic form. It's just going in and ca capturing camps and clearing them of enemies until you claim them and then just sweeping the map. And so it's quite, I find them quite relaxing and therapeutic because it's quite basic uh, fighting action, 3D uh, fighting action. Um, so it's not exactly like your kind of Devil May Cry kind of thing. It's much more stripped back than that. And the joy of it is, is basically just looking at the map, figuring out where you've got to clear up next, basically, and then going <laughs> and wiping out. At times, obviously, it's uh, the one thing I used to love about, uh, that drew me to them when I first played them, um, 
which was with, I can't remember which one, it was the, one of the GameCube ones, one of the lesser ones. Um, but it was just uh, the kill count in the, in the bottom corner, which tends to go up into the thousands after, like, after about eight, nine minutes, you've already, like, wiped out a thousand people. So it's, like, quite a power fantasy combined with just how therapeutic it is just tidy clearing a map up, basically. There's a ridiculousness to them, isn't there, where yeah. it's like a movie or something where there's no pretense at making it realistic or realism they've just gone right one swipe is gonna you know take down a line of enemies or an army it's one person yeah it's a beautiful the, the mob clearance as well just going in and clearing like mobs of 30 and 40 people and seeing them fly high in the air like that's it hasn't like the, the basic formula hasn't really changed that much since it was kind of introduced in the early noughties uh, and i don't think it really needs to and so i can like some people are quite sniffy about them i think because of that because of it's like oh there's so many of these games that aren't they all the same but then when you play them it's like yeah, there's a reason there's so many of them. It's because they're really, really, really satisfying to play and really enjoyable. And um, the Nintendo-themed ones, there's obviously been quite a lot of them now. We've had the Hyrule Warriors, um, and then Age of Calamity as well, and this is the second Fire Emblem um, Musu game. Um, and they work really well. I'm not sure if it's kind of Nintendo bringing a bit of quality control to it, which might not be there sometimes in the mainline <laughs> entries. Um, Dynasty Warriors, was it the, the open world one? Uh, eight was with Lois, like it wasn't wasn't great um so it's kind of you've got that um that quality control and also just they handle the ip uh, really well um and in fire emblem's case say i'd add like a, st- a strategic layer to it basically whereby you can switch between characters and you've got the the, the weapon triangle uh, of fire emblem that's quite famous and it's got that kind of strategic layer under it which helps just helps bring it home basically um i've not actually played three hopes yet i should say uh, henry did a wonderful job of reviewing it a good enough job that i'm going to buy it today um <laughs> But yeah, they're, they're they're fantastic things, um, and I do understand the reticence about them. But um, if you just like mashing things up and having a relaxing time, it's also it's like the anti, it's like the opposite of um, Milky Way Star Prince. Basically, like that is a challenging game to play that you like. I don't, I can't imagine you're like oh, I'm gonna. It's it's. It, I've had a really hard day at work. I want to sit back and unwind. I want to play this really challenging game about um, quite difficult issues. Whereas this is a, like an antithesis of it. It's just like switch your mind off and just go and. <laughs> yeah it's, it's i'd say mindless but it's yeah therapeutic i think is how is the best way to describe it um okay let's move on to some features uh, um martin coming back to you again um so you had a good old chat with uh battlefield 2042 developer dice uh which was fighting fires again it seems they they like making life difficult for themselves um, and they seem pretty candid about how the launch of the game went how was that how was the interview it was good. I think that, uh, so. It was clear that obviously there had been rumours going around that um, Dice had effectively moved off of Battlefield 2042 uh-huh. and was already working. Already had the majority of the team working on the uh, new Battlefield game, and uh, this it was clear that this was kind of a PR beat intended to just basically say we really haven't moved on. Loads of people are working on this, and so that was the intention behind it uh, from from their end and. Um, I think I buy. I do buy it. Like they are, it, the, the game has come on a long way. Uh, the season one came eight months after the game came out. Its first season started, um, but it did bring a new map, which is really good. Uh, and they do. De- I, I, I'm optimistic about the future of Battlefield, although it's obviously not the first time this has happened. Um, that they kind of launched in a state. Really good to me at clearing up. <clears throat> the issues after launch they add loads of stuff to the mm. games like the battlefront games in particular they they added loads of stuff to it the star wars battlefront games but it just, just can't get the launch right well, yeah they do a really good job of clearing up their own mess 
basically. But like, surely the the, the optimum would be don't make such a mess in the first place. <laughs> and they've done. They, it's quite a radical overhaul they've had of the leadership team. Like quite a few, quite some some heads rolled. It seems um, after Battlefield 2042's release, and um, they've got some serious big hitters working on the series now. Um, Marcus Leto, uh, who you know from Halo. Um, and what I forgot what his game was that came out a couple of years ago. It went down really well, but no one bought it. Um, I know what you mean. Yeah, the one thanks. that was yeah, that's yeah. enough. I don't need to remember yeah. what it's called. It had that's like enough, a, like you know a tactical I mean. layer to it, right? Yeah, it was yeah. Kind of, yeah, yeah. And Alex <laughs> Alex Roping as well, who <laughs> <laughs> Alex Roping as well, who was kind of one of the original Bungie team, but he's working on the mobile game. And Vince Ampella, Call of Duty creator, um, uh, working at Ripple on it as well. It's just I think he's just looking over the entire franchise. And so there are some serious names behind it now. And you would have thought, surely the next Battlefield, they won't mess up at launch. But I've been saying, I'd be, I'd been saying that I thought that 2042 might be the case. But um, I thought that was the case after the previews. But I remember the review event for Battlefield 2042 and it was kind of hilarious as it dawned upon everybody playing it, what a state this game was in. And it's like yeah. everyone's like playing the game with the developers kind of in the Discord and everyone's kind of whispering to each other. It's like, do you think they know how bad it is? It's like, do you think they know what's, do you think they know what's coming? And they must have done. Um, it must have been difficult for them, though, because I know it did seem they had a big change of direction halfway through development. They had COVID happened and sent everyone remote and everything as well. Um, and yeah, a lot of things didn't land. A lot of very questionable design decisions. Um, but yeah, I just I did, I feel for teams who might be going through that. It must be horrible to spend so much time on a game event, see it get quite rightly ripped apart by the community um, because it didn't it didn't do what it should have done. But they're making great strides and. Um, I'm yeah, I'm looking forward to some optimism to see what the next what they do once they can actually start from the foundations basically and get Battlefield back to where it should be because Battlefield's such a great series like you're a yeah. Battlefield player aren't you Taps you like you um yeah a bit lapsed now I played um I loved Battlefield three and played a fair bit of Battlefield four and um some of the historical ones I played after like one and and V a bit but never really um I didn't properly like click with those and i haven't played um haven't played 2042 yet but i i miss it i miss that i miss a shooter that is occupying that in between slot between call of duty and the more hardcore you know like armor that kind of thing that there, there is very much a gap a battlefield sized gap uh, yeah totally that's the thing battlefield provides an experience that now none of those games can yeah. and that's why like, and i've has a sense of fun to me yeah. where the other games seem a bit intense on the competition there's just something so slapstick fun about yeah. battlefield it's battle. got it's, it does it does chaos brilliantly um and it does it does comedic chaos brilliantly just like the old like the classic thing of strapping some c4 to a tank to clapping some c4 to like a jeep and then get, getting some momentum then driving it towards a, a camp and then jumping out at the last minute and then letting it explode and then seeing that it's wiping out two or three squads that with way your or, friends still in the truck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's got that and it's and Battlefield twenty forty two's got that now and it's just it was kind of lost under some of the more questionable things that happened around launch um with some of the key features missing. But it's there and like I, I play Battlefield twenty forty two in my spare time by choice. It's my it's my first person shooter of choice. Um I don't know what that says about me. But um because it just it, it offers that it offers that kind of that slapstick and that carnage which you don't get anywhere else and it's slowly coming to the fore in twenty forty two. I just really hope they can get the series back to where it should be because of it battlefield should be brilliant it should be up yeah. there with call of duty and everything as like as the as the primo shooter experience it's sad that it hasn't been uh for whatever reason recently 
Okay, let's move on. So uh, the delightful Christian Donnan, who's not with us today, um, looked at a minimalist city building puzzle game called Tile Cities on PC, which looks uh, great. He also looked at the work of a Canadian artist and graphic novelist called Leanne Shapton, um, whose books sound brilliant. There's, they're not game books, uh, per se, but you can sort of see games within them. And Christian talks about this one where you're flicking through it and there's these photos and there's this guy who keeps popping up in the photographs in like lots of different places. Like you think maybe they're taken over the course of like two years and you're like, okay, somehow this guy keeps popping up. But then the book reveals that this all takes place um, over the course of a day or something. And you're like, that's not possible. And so there's this kind of ghost story vibe going through it. And anyway, sounds great. Um, Christian also looked at a demo of this Raw Fury game called Dome Keeper. Uh, which sounded kind of cool. It's like a kind of pixelated side-on tower defense or base defense uh, game. Uh, you have this dome in the middle and then these monsters kind of attack it at night. But you expand by digging down and kind of finding, I don't really like resources and stuff, and I guess that powers up your dome at the top and how much you can uh, kind of take on. Reminds me a bit of Kingdom Two Crowns, that game they had, only you don't sort of venture out sideways. You kind of dig down. Uh, it lo- that looks so good. I yeah. really, I really like the look at that. I was, um, I was hoping to check it out. I didn't have time, and Donlan snaffled it from under my nose. Um, so I'll be coming for him for events. Yeah, that. but um, it looks, there some, it looks so good. <laughs> there are some beautiful lines in there as well. You probably see me trying to bring it up in my glasses, a reflection of me just desperately <laughs> reading it to remember. What I was reading, but like, no, he kind of like, um, there's a thrillingly bad time, the best kind of awful, which I really loved. Yeah, um, it's just kind of like quite one of those quite. Uh, challenging and grim games and a different kind of challenging to the obviously uh, what you played the sweet taps but yeah it was uh beautifully described as ever it sounds I love fantastic that. it sounds bang up my street i love yeah. that sense of being overwhelmed and you're just like ah all the time and just scrabbling to try and keep up the, the pacing is really important um i looked at um the console release of inkle studios sorcery this week which is came out on mobile originally in like 2013 then came to pc but it's sort of no one really noticed it kind of got overshadowed by 80 days, which went on to win awards. And then Heaven's Vault came out as their like big project. And because of its like fractured origins, it just kind of got elbowed to the side. And it's really good. It's an adaptation of Steve Jackson's uh, sorcery game books, which are quite weird and quite brutal. And that's what makes it feel uh, great. And they've, and Inkle have treated it really nicely as well. The only problem is the games are a little old now and they originated you know, they were intended kind of for mobile and it still feels a bit like that when you play it on console, which is, is fine, like they're playable, but for, for 20 quid, it would have just been nice to see a little bit more effort, some embellishments, just it, because they're nice games. It's like, just put that little bit of work. It's been ported rather than kind of redone a little bit. And is they're still great, it's still nice experience. There's lots of games to play. You carry your adventure right through four parts. Um, but uh, yeah, um, it's it's not as good as it could have been, basically. Um, is it still the case? Do you think it's probably best played on mobile as well? Still, if you're gonna if you're gonna play it on any format, is it best to play it on mobile? Yeah, sort? there's something about the, the the maps. There's this artist called Mike Schley who makes these kind of fantasy maps, and they're just so evocative to look at. Um, and on a mobile screen, on a smaller screen, there's something that looks a bit more delicate about it, whereas it looks a bit blown up uh on the tv it doesn't doesn't yeah. have that same kind of feel and and it feels like it works well enough with the the control buttons they've adapted for it but it still feels like touching it is what's intended um 
And also, it's massively discounted on Steam at the moment if you wanted to play it that way. The whole lot are, is five quid rather than 20 quid. So, um, but I appreciate not everyone has a PC to play it on. But um, moving speaking speak- of mobile, yeah, speaking of mobile, just briefly, actually, and just as a teaser for next week, I just remembered I sat bolt upright in the middle of the night at three in the morning. And I was like, I don't. Why have I just woken up? I then realised I'd woken up uh, because of Yu Suzuki's game has just hit um, Apple Arcade, <laughs> and I, got, I haven't played it yet. I just realised I just I just yeah, I, wait, I I got it downloading it and I need to play it today. So yeah, look forward to hopefully some an atmosphere. I feel like that would, neat... that would wake you up out of your grave if you were. Under <laughs> <you>. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new it's a it's a new Yu Suzuki game day today, everyone. So yeah, be happy. Please. Happy. Okay, got to move swiftly on because I'm running out of time here. So in Video Land, uh, Zoe um, looked at seven PC horror games that are coming out this year that you need to know about, um, including uh, Immortality, which is a new game by her story creator, uh, Sam Barlow, um, which will be interesting. Um, yeah. Ian has got some top tips uh, for, sn- for playing Sniper Elite 5, which we gave an essential to. So it's amazing. Um, and he also played Fall Guys, if you want to see him being stupid which um, I think I do. Um, and <laughs> Aoife um, got nerdy about Pokemon Scarlet and Violet um, and told us everything we need to know about that. Plus, there's more videos, of course. That's just a few of them. Digital Foundry, meanwhile, uh, declared it had a new favorite gaming headset uh, in the Steel Series Arctis Nova Pro, uh, which is quite expensive. There's a review for this, by the way. Um, they're £250 wired, £330 wireless, but they come with like their own little portable equaliser thing that you can just carry around with you, almost like a giant pager from the 80s. <laughs> oh, it just sounds amazing. Uh, and they, they've got all the bells and whistles and stuff. They I'm sound. not sure if I'm ever out in the, out in like the wild, though, thinking like cut the mid-range, drop the bass. Like, I'm not like... <laughs> I really like the idea of that, just on the bus. Like, oh, I'm yeah. sorry, I'm getting a little bit of uh, too much bass on this. It's a bit peaking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Digital Foundry also reviewed a new AMD Ryzen CPU, which um, I've got in my computer. Uh, not that one. That This one's much newer. But um, uh, Will Judd can tell you all about it. I'm not even going to pretend to understand uh, why. It's... <laughs> um, over in Newsland, meanwhile, um, we had a great investigation uh, from Tom Phillips um, on the mucky world, uh, pun intended, of, of spin tires, this game about driving around in really realistic mud. I played the original, actually, and the mud is very satisfying to squelch uh, around in. There's a feud going on between this publisher, a small UK publisher that originally published it, and then this company called Sabre Interactive, which is where the creator works and and worked originally. And it's like, who owns the game? And Ovi, this small publisher, is like, we want to put the game on Steam, but Sabre's like, you can't because we own it. And they made some... It goes back and forth. Um, Check the story out um, on Eurogamer because... um, Tom did an, a bigger investigation into this uh, before as well, and he's keeping tabs on it. Um, meanwhile, uh, Martin, you'll like this one. Um, Sonic creator, Yuji Naka, um, apparently used to hang out with Michael Jackson um, and, uh, and who wrote some music for, uh, for Sonic 3. Um, we know um, Naka shared a picture, um, an aerial picture from like taken from a helicopter of him flying over Jackson's... Uh, Neverland branch. Um, I don't really know what to say about this. Well, I just, Yuji Naka's basically just taking no prisoners now. Since he left Square Enix after Balan Wonderworld, um, obviously he, there, there was a tweet thread not long ago where he basically said that it wasn't the game he it wasn't the game he wanted it to be. It was a ship kind of unfinished, and basically just basically just called Square Enix. Well, 
It wasn't particularly nice. It wasn't pleasant to his former employers. And it's like, wow, he's uh, he's really not taking any prisoners at all. And then and now it's Sega's turn. And after the um, the somewhat shoddy release of Sonic Origins, um, something we haven't covered on the site, unfortunately, yet, because Sega, uh, for reasons which are becoming clearer every day, didn't give us review code. Um, but I think Digital Foundry is going to be on it soon. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's not a great port by any, by any means. In fact, Headcanon have come out just recently to say um, it's not a great port. And now Yuji Naka has come out and said uh, about the music. Um, it's long been rumoured that uh, Michael Jackson did some of the soundtrack for Sonic 3. Never been f- officially confirmed for various reasons. Um, people don't know if it's because of um, copyright, if they, they have to pay the estate every time uh, they use it, or if it's just, which is probably most likely that uh, Sega don't want to be a Sonic associated with a, uh, a sex offender. I'm not, I don't know where, I don't know where it stood on convictions or anything, but anyway, he's um, a, a dubious character, I think it's mm-hmm. fair to say. Um, and yeah, and so the music had changed for this version of Sonic 3, um, but Yuji Naka basically confirmed the long running rumour. In a way, he kind of backtracked a little bit afterwards <laughs> and said, I didn't mean to, I, I wasn't, it wasn't what I said. It's like, but, you, uh... but yeah, so I'm not sure if it's fully cleared up the the age-old rumour, but it certainly made it a little bit clearer that Michael Jackson did indeed work on those on those tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited about this new one. Uh, the new Plague Tale game, the sequel, uh, Plague Tale Requiem, just got a release date and it's out in October. Um, I think this game is great. Um, play the original if you haven't. Um, Creative Assembly also revealed its new game, um, and now this is not the Total War side of Creative Assembly. This is the console team at Creative Assembly, which made Alien Isolation, but which has since grown into a much bigger thing. And it's been working on a game for years. Uh, so I'm quite excited to see what they're working on. And it's this multiplayer sci-fi heist shooter called Hyenas, uh, bizarrely enough. And so this is a co-op game uh, for teams of three, it sounded like which get a heist mission, so they have to break in somewhere, steal something, get away. But at the same time as you're playing, you're apparently also playing against four other teams. I don't know if they're controlled by real people or if it's controlled by the computer um, at the same time to try and achieve the same goal. Um, They're not sharing that much more information on this. There's also, it looks like it's kind of class-based. It's quite wacky. Um, It's got zero G, which I don't know how well that works in a shooter when you can't, like, move quickly to anyway uh and it's got a lot of energy uh, and swagger do people say that um i say it, that a lot yeah it reminds me a bit of arcane the um the riot games uh series it's got this similar kind of animation but that might just be the trailer um and it also reminds me of overwatch a bit it's out next year on pc xbox playstation you didn't say it's payday in space that's what it is though yeah. it, just, that's what it reminds me of it's just payday in space see, i took ages to say that you could have just said payday in space <laughs> God damn it. Sorry. Um, Chris Tapso, I reckon you've got a hot take on this. Oh, I was gutted when I saw this. I feel really bad because I think the Creative Assembly people are really good people. But um, when you hear Creative Assembly working on a shooter and you think about what they did with like Alien Isolation and what the potential they have for something sort of single player and quite contained, and then you get something that to my eyes looks very, very stylistically generic. Um and uh, I think that, that I think that multiplayer shooters are just so crowded, and it, you really have to either be backed by an absolutely gigantic, almost infinite marketing budget, like Apex Legends um, and Fortnite, or you are um, 
a very niche, almost janky indie game that sort of goes viral because it of a, a streamer enjoyed it. I don't know if there's much room for just competent shooters with a good idea and not much else to them. Um, and there's also the fact that the crux of the game is that um, you're stealing like tat, like you basically you're stealing like Rubik's like, cubes, like swag for um, for because like in, it's in the future and the only thing that's worth any money anymore is what billionaires want, which is different types of collectible tat. And um, so you're fighting over that. So you're basically stealing like Sonic Funko Pops. And I, well, that's me, it, that, interesting. For me, that's Sorry. the most cynical, like very obvious um, sort of way to, to, to bundle some like collaborations with brands into your game, which is just like someone's gone, how can we make Fortnite uh, without it being Fortnite? If you know what I mean, how can I get like the latest Marvel collab in my video game? It is, but then it's just as contrived in other multiplayer shooters when they're like you've got to yeah. st- you've got to disarm the bomb or you've got to do this or that why not make it something it's not really the point yeah, but the you've bomb isn't like something. sponsored by you know well that's like it was it was not <laughs> yeah it wasn't what i it wasn't what i expected i think it's fair to say um and i'm gonna wait until i play it to say too much more about it yeah some of it sounds promising to me and some of it's like mm. I, I i want it to be um, good because i want i want people to be inventive in this space i just worry that it it won't be. I take but your point the... completely, Sorry. though, about it. You need to throw a lot at a mo- multiplayer shooter to get it to stick yeah. in some way, and that's just not money up front. That's after the fact. You need to support it with a lot of stuff. You know, you need to keep it present. You need to keep it up the top, and that's tricky. Maybe Creative Assembly can do it, but we haven't seen mm. them do it before. I think, and that's what's a concern. I'm not a billionaire, but I did actually quite like some of the references because it had the um <laughs> the. Well, yeah, the the Sonic Bauble uh, it had in there, a little dangling Sonic Bauble, was in, was from uh, I think from Radmobile, and I'm not sure if you know, but uh, what was Sonic the Hedgehog's first ever video game appearance? Oh my god! Oh it my wasn't god. Sonic the Hedgehog. It was, was uh, Radmobile. Was it Donkey Kong? <laughs> Donkey Kong. Uh, it was Donkey Kong. <laughs> uh, but I just quite I quite like that stuff because I'm a Sega nerd and I quite like um, little things like that popping up. But yeah, oh. um, I'm I I am interested to play it. Okay, um, we've run over slightly, so I'm going to rattle through these as quick as humanly possible. Um, so there's a remaster of the 1997 Blade Runner game. It's finally complete. It came out yesterday. This is the Night Dive Studios remaster. Uh, it doesn't look that different to me, but the performance has been cleaned up a lot. Um, that's all we're going to say about that. No Man's Sky is coming to Switch in October, but it's going to be single player only at launch. There's a Cyberpunk 2077 board game called Gangs of Night City, and it's smashed its Kickstarter goal already with, like, Two weeks ago, uh, 80 grand was its goal. It's raised a quarter of a million already, so it's doing really well. Um, the next World of Warcraft expansion is coming this year. It's called Dragonflight. Uh, it doesn't have a specific date yet, but I'd bet on September. Um, Blizzard is also releasing Overwatch 2 this year in early access on 4th of October with the PvE part to follow next year. Um, and it has just released its Diablo Immortal game, which apparently made £20 million in two weeks, which sounds like a success. It's quite good. I found when I was playing um, from it. But of course, Activision Blizzard still has lots of other stuff going on. Uh, still reading from those um, allegations of uh, sexual harassment, harassment, assault, and all that kind of stuff. That's all continues with lots of um, lawsuit-related updates and things every week, it seems. Um, while we're talking about Blizzard quickly, actually, uh, there was once apparently, according to Tony Hawk, no less, going to be a Pro Skater 3 and 4, but these plans were scrapped 
when developer Vicarious Visions was merged into Blizzard. Boo! Boo. Skate 4 is coming out this year, though, still. So, hey, no, it was being revealed this year, so we Yay. still got that. Hold on to that. Um, someone made Elden Ring look like a SNES game, and I was watching the video for this, and it's adorable. Um, someone made a two centimeter thick PlayStation 5 Slim, all of their own, and it's adorable. And Chris Pratt says his Mario movie voice will be unlike anything we've heard in Mario before, which is adorable. It's not adorable. It's, I'm worried. It is. I'm, I'm concerned. Yeah. What's he going to do? He's going to swear. Yay! Brilliant. <laughs> is he going to go all gruff and like just take it not cute? He's going to go completely the other I way. I think it's just going to sound like Chris Pratt. Yep. It's a me, Mario. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Starlight. I'm Mario. Um, Anyway, that's it for this week. Uh, thank you, Martin and Chris, for joining me. Thank you so much thank for you. having us. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm Bertie. This was Weekly. Don't forget to follow us, and we'll be back next week. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Bye.